this morning's Bible reading is from Psalm 98. Um, you find it on page 483 of the Church Bible. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout, to the, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing with trumpets and the blast of ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he, has come, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Thanks, Don, very much. Uh, lovely to see you all. My name's David, if I haven't met you. Uh, I've worn glasses for almost 30 years, which means every year or two I go to the optometrist. See, if I were to take my glasses off now, I know there's people there, but I can't see your faces at all. I wouldn't know who you are. I truly am hopeless. So when I go to the optometrist, uh, they use a machine, which uh, is like this machine that they put different lenses to test my eyes. Uh, I wear multifocals, so they test to try and see I can read up close, but also I can see distance. They want to make my vision clearer. Some of the lenses help in bringing great clarity. Some of the lenses actually make my eyes very blurry. And they ask me each time what the response is. Psalm 98 is like those lenses. Psalm 98 helps us to refocus, readjust to see God more clearly. Just like me having to go regularly to the optometrist, we need checkups spiritually regularly. For things happen in our lives that affect our spiritual sight. We don't read the Bible regularly, and all of a sudden the world's values are what drive us. We compare ourselves to others. Fear. Our fears take hold of us. We go through tragedy, which makes us ask deep questions. And so we need regularly for the Bible to examine us, to correct our focus. Psalm 98 is actually part of a group of psalms, uh, which is Psalm 93 and then Psalms 95 to 99, and they're called enthronement psalms. They refer to the Lord. The Lord, in capital letters, which Ange spoke about a couple of weeks ago, is the name Yahweh. 
They refer to the Lord as the true king of all creation. And each psalm will either use the word king or will use the word reign. It examines and reminds us that God rules at every level. And we know that we have 2020 godly vision as our long-distance faith empowers us to see and be assured that the Lord Jesus will return. We live in the light of his coming while also embracing on a day-to-day basis priorities in our lives that reflect his kingdom. And this will be seen in our choices, our desires to live worshipful lives with all creation. So the psalm begins, sing to the Lord a new song. When I lived at Toronto, up in near Newcastle, I sometimes went to the Newcastle Jets games, football games. They didn't do very well last night. But... Once again, Central Coast Mariners. The Jets had already qualified for the finals, but they were losing this game and Central Coast supporters were get, chanting that their team was winning. And someone very clever began singing, which the whole Newcastle crowd joined in. We're in the finals. Which kind of put the Central Coast Mariners quiet. Singing is part of life. We heard this morning people sing in the shower. People sing in the car. You might drive past and you see this person's mouth going up and down, although the windows are closed. People sing leaving the pub. They sing at birthday parties. They sing at events when the national anthem is sung. And yet God's people can sing not only at events or celebrations, not only when life is good, but always because of who God is and what he has done. The psalm in the first three verses, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Last May, at the King's coronation, Andrew Lloyd Webber composed a new song. He called it, Make a Joyful Noise, and it was based on this psalm. It was written as a new song for the occasion. We don't actually know what the occasion was that Psalm 98 was written for. But as we look at the verbs in the first three verses, they point to a past event. He has done, he has done marvellous things, have worked salvation. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness, have seen the salvation of our God. Something that they look back to. And notice the words in verses 1, 2 and 3. Three times the word salvation is there. 
The psalm was a response to God having saved his people. Maybe when the Israelites were delivered from slavery in Egypt, Miriam sang a song at that time. Maybe it was when the people in exile there in captivity in Babylon were released. Isaiah talks about they sang a song at that time. God saves because of who he is. And as we look at these verses, notice his character. His right hand and his holy holy arm referring to his power, his righteousness and love and faithfulness. He is the God who reveals himself. We are to sing a new song in gratitude for who God is and what he has done. And both the exodus and the exile find their greater fulfilment in Jesus' death where he rescued people from their sin, their independence, their autonomy, their rebellion and saves them from the coming judgment because of pushing the creator aside, forgetting that he is the one who deserves praise and to live in honour of his life. And so singing in his expression of thanksgiving, here in church, we sing as individuals. We can't sing for other people. And yet, in church, we're to do that together. We are to sing as a group. Do you ever wonder, do you ever wonder what the effect of your singing in church has on other people around you? Do you ever wonder the way that you sing, what that will actually do for other people? I'm not talking about whether you sing in tune or not, that's irrelevant. I'm talking about whether you don't sing at all. I'm talking about whether your mind is everywhere else and that just shows in your body language. What effect does your singing have on those around you? Richard Stearns, he was president of World Vision. He visited a church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, a year after the 2010 earthquake. The church building they were meeting at the time was a tent made from tarts and duct tape pitched in a camp of thousands of homeless people. In the front row of the church sat six six amputees raging and aged from six to sixty. Each of them sang with a sense of worship that was full of hope and thanksgiving. One of them was a lady called Demosi. Thirty-two years old, an unemployed single mother, during the earthquake a collapsed building crushed her right arm and her left leg, resulting in both being amputated. 
Richard Stearns, Richard Stearns met Demosi's two daughters who were eight and ten. The three of them were living in a tent, five feet tall, eight feet wide. Despite losing her job, her home and two limbs, she was grateful that God had saved her life, allowing her to raise her girls and to serve God. Richard Stearns reflected on the joy with which they sang despite their circumstances. But he also said how easily, how easily he grumbled at small inconveniences. He gets upset when the Wi-Fi doesn't work very fast. And yet in Haiti, many who had lost so much sang enthusiastically saying to God, he said, I felt pity and sadness for them, but it is they who might better pity me for the shallowness of my own walk with Christ. What does singing, or how does singing reflect your walk with Christ? What would others around you think about your walk with Christ from the way that you sang? In Christ we've received so much and we are commanded. It is a command for us to sing in response. The temptation is to come to church thinking, what will be here for me? What friends will I see? Who will I sit beside? What will the message say to me? Who will I talk to afterwards? All of which are valid questions. But the temptation is to come to church for me. How it makes me feel. If that's why we've come to church, then I am at the centre. I am what is most important. Yet the church is the community of Christ's body. And so it's about Christ and us together. I wonder, does the way that you sing spur gratitude in others around you? Not singing in tune, sometimes not even singing, but seeing somebody with their eyes closed and the sense of lost in awe of God often makes me emotional. I felt emotional seeing the children up here. I don't know, but I sense God's pleasure in that and the joy of that. I wonder, do you regularly find new reasons to thank God for all you have in Christ? Psalm 98 was a response to something that God had done. Elizabeth and I met with some friends yesterday that we see maybe once a year. And uh, he said, the the gentleman said that he's trying to memorise a verse from Thessalonians. Part of which is, give thanks in all things for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
Give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, the second one is shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. We read in verses 4 to 6, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Interestingly, this loud and joyful adoration is to be the response of all the earth. Many instruments are worship because God is king. In the first three verses, we saw the verbs were past tense. Here they are present tense. All people are to rejoice as a loud symphony because the Lord is worthy of worship. And yet all we need to do is look outside and the world is not praising God not bursting forth. So it seems this psalm calls us to live joyfully in the present while looking to the future, with confidence that time will come when a new heaven and new earth will shout with praise. To live in the present, looking to the future. To live joyfully, not controlled by what happens in the present, but actually our focus, readjusting our lenses to look to the future on God himself. In 2013, there was a letter discovered in a book that was sold in a second-hand bookstore. It was actually a letter written by C.S. Lewis. It had been written to a Mrs. Ellis. And in the letter, C.S. Lewis said, Everything is going well, but goes on to explain that he does not mean joy by everything going well. He speaks about joy not being dependent on what happens to or around us, for whether he gets good or bad news, the response is the same, an assurance that God is good and in control. Therefore, he can rejoice and give thanks for all things. A number of years ago, uh, 15 years ago, I think someone gave a, a book to Elizabeth. It was called Let's Roll, and I read it. Uh, it was a book written by Lisa Beamer. Her husband, Tom, Todd, was killed in Flight 93 in Pennsylvania in 9-11. She writes this in the book. God knew the terrible choices the terrorists would make and that Todd would die as a result. He knew my children would be left without a father and me without a husband. Yet in his sovereignty and in his perspective on the big picture, he knew it was better to allow the events to unfold as they did rather than redirect Todd's plans to avoid death. I can't see all the reasons that he might have allowed this when I know he could have stopped it. I don't like how his plan looks from my perspective right now. But knowing that he loves me and can see the world from start to finish helps me say it's okay. If we believe wholeheartedly each moment 
that our destiny rests in the hands of Jesus Christ, the one with ultimate love and ultimate power, what do we have to be concerned about? Of course, our humanity clouds this truth many times, but hanging on to glimpses of it keeps everything in perspective. See, God sees a perspective that we don't see. Sometimes I talk about a line, and God sees above the line. He sees down here and knows what's happening. We can't see from his perspective. We're below the line. But as Old Testament Israel was meant to live so that surrounding nations would look on at how they lived and how they loved God and say, how good is their God? So our lives are declared the praise of God so that others are drawn to him, living in the present in the light of the future. And thirdly, resound. Along with all the earth, we find that praising God includes all creation. The last three verses. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. The word resound means to echo or to thunder. Here it was referring to the sea, the sea roaring, rivers clapping, mountains singing, speak of creation's response to the king coming to judge the earth. Past tense, present tense, and now a sense of future tense. No wonder creation will rejoice because the Apostle Paul says it's been waiting. He said in Romans chapter 8, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Well, the psalm looked forward to the Lord coming to judge. Today, we look back to when Christ came, who took God's judgment on himself. The book of Hebrews says Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. When Christ returns, all people will be accountable to his blameless and just judgment. No one is innocent which is why mission and evangelism and justice is so important. We live in a world today where world leaders are driven by pride and greed. They justify war. They inflict persecution, corruption, abuse, indifference, marginalisation, violence, terror. 
They use power to protect and progress their agenda. And we live in a world, an earth, where it is exploited and mined and deforested and polluted and ravaged. And along with accountability, this psalm looks forward to the day when there will be liberty for God's people. Liberty for animals and fauna and flora and the environment. Yeah, quite some time ago, it was, I was in Toronto. Um, I had a conversation with someone on the sidewalk who was trying to get people to, in, to sign up to monthly donations to Greenpeace. I listened to his spiel as he talked and commented there is, from what I see, there was much good that environmentalists do. But I said something to the effect of, as a Christian, I believe the core problem is not about our actions, but we don't listen and trust the creator. He didn't, yeah. He said, we can believe that as long as you sign up to Greenpeace. We are to care for the environment. We are to care for creation, creatures great and small. But if that is all we do, it's like treating a terminal illness with putting a Band-Aid on it. There is benefit, but we miss the core issue. That the king will come as judge is good news for those who wait for him. It is good news for the creation, but it is not good news for those who do not honour him. And Psalm 98, as I finish, is like an optometrist that wants to put different lenses to help us to see clearly again, short distance, living today, long distance, looking forward to his coming, to live with clear clarity and clearly and live in praise of him now because of what has happened in the past with Jesus' death. Sing joyfully in response to God's character. Shout a metaphor for living joyfully and winsomely in our lives amongst other people because God is king. Resound, live expectantly, that Jesus will return, live confidently, live for his coming. Please let me pray. Praying that his word would do work in our lives. Our Father, we acknowledge that it's so easy, as the scriptures talk about, to look in the mirror and then go away and forget what we've seen. We hear your word and then we go away and we forget. We need you as a good father to be an optometrist for us. Through your spirit, to take your word, to do its work in our life, to help us to see close as we live our lives today 
but also long distance as we wait for the Lord Jesus to come. Please do that. We thank you that the psalm, along with all the Bible, is about who you are. Help us to grow to know you better, we pray. Not just as we may think of you in our mind, but as the scripture reveals yourself. Trustworthy, steadfast, a rock, ever-present, who always keeps your promises. Thank you. Amen.